Hello, and welcome back to How To Be Happy, a podcast where we explore all the ways that we can live a happier life. Each week, we're talking to happiness experts, celebrities, and ordinary people to uncover their secrets to living a good life. My name is Kate DeBrito. I'm your host and guide on this journey into happiness. Let's begin. Belinda Elworthy is the CEO of Gotcha for Life, a charity that was founded by radio and TV personality Gus Warland after the tragic death of a dear friend from suicide. It started out to help men talk about their mental struggles, but it's evolved as a service supporting all people now. On the podcast, we talk about why men can find it so hard to be vulnerable and how you can recognise someone you know is in trouble, as well as some of Belinda's personal tips for living a happy life. Hi, Belinda. Hi, Kate. <laughs> we had a few technical difficulties, but we got here. We got here. I was thinking the other day, you know how we, we all carry on about, oh, the tech's gone wrong and this has happened. But I remember having to stand in the line with my mum to, like, pay bills. Don't you? You probably remember sort of similar <laughs> sorts of things. So it's like it's, it's not that bad, really, is it? I know. The inconvenience in the big scheme of life is not significant. Yes, no. I do remember that. I remember going down to the St George Bank and the dragon <laughs> was there and I was scared of the dragon, but I would go uh, there with mum to pay the bills often. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Now, Belinda, you're the CEO of the charity Gotcha for Life, um, which is, in a nutshell, helping people build a mentally fit future. Now, this originally started out with a focus on men's mental health, but I see that it's really morphed and it's got a real focus on everyone's mental health. Can I just ask you out of the gates, what do you think are the ingredients for someone having a meaningful and mentally fit future? Yeah, I think um, you're right. We did we did start, um, you know, through, through Gussie Warland and the significant loss that he experienced um, and the really pressing need to, to look after our men. But the, the charity recognised that we're really facing um, a human issue and, and building our mental fitness is something that everybody can do and must do. Um, and when we talk about mental fitness, we talk about, I guess, destigmatizing and humanizing um, some of the psychological protective factors that are proven um, to support us to feel more mentally healthy or mentally fit. So I think you know, one of the things that's really important is just recognising that we have mental fitness and mental health, just like we have our physical fitness. And my view is it's it's the most important thing that we can invest our time and energy in is is building and looking after our mental fitness. Just like our physical fitness, if we, if we don't look after our bodies, if we don't move our bodies when we can, um, you know, our, 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 our health will, will indicate that. Um, it's exactly the same when it comes to our emotional fitness and our mental fitness. 
I think it's a great way that we're moving. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I think that 20 years ago, people talked about mental health and there was a real lack of agency around that. They talked about, you know, chemical imbalances. They didn't talk about all the things that people could do to assist in staying healthy. So it's a great direction that people are moving in. What do you think are the the top things that people can do to stay mentally fit and healthy? I think, um, you know, the, the whole space of well-being is, is big and it's vast. So if we break it down just to a couple of core things that, that I guess we really believe in and I've seen in, in the studies I've done and in, in the life I've lived and the, and the people that I've supported over the years. Um, so one of, one of the areas is social connection mm. and that is investing the time in our friendships, in our family, in our family relationships, feeling connected is a fundamental human need. Feeling like we belong, and off the back of the last few years, um, you know, there's no, there's no surprise that people are feeling less connected than um, we have in the past, and it's, it's unbelievable that at a time when, like, technologically we are more connected than mm. ever, as humans, um, you know, there's a a huge amount of loneliness um, and that sense of not feeling quite like we belong or that we're really connected. So I think, um, you know, that is a really important area and it's something that we do a lot of work in when we work with young people in schools um, and with people in communities. Um, We sometimes forget the power of feeling connected and feeling like we've got people in our life who have our back, who Mm. see us, who get us and understand us. And that no matter what, um, we can go to them. And that's, you know, that's something that when we do face those inevitable ups and downs in life, the inclination is often to withdraw and to pull back from our friendships and, you know, not, not meet that person for a coffee because I'm just feeling so, so rough. It's actually when we need to really step in mm-hmm. and, um, and do what feels uncomfortable because that is where... Um, that is where we get the support and the strength that we need. And also, uh, when we are experiencing something that's more challenging in our life, it can give us some really fantastic perspective that we might not have um, reached in our own minds. So social connection, we can't underestimate the power of that. Um, we talk about building emotional muscle, and you know that's our very everyday language, um, and what you know, what sits behind that is, I guess, the construct of emotional resilience, flexibility and agility. Mm. And for us or for me, that means, um, you know, building our ability to cope. And there's so many different ways that we can build our ability to cope. And there's, you know, there's not one set way that works for everyone. Mm. Um, So, you know, some of the, I guess, some of the basics of getting started is recognising that we all have emotions. Mm. Um, we have, as humans, you know, we'll have a life where we get to experience the full spectrum of emotion. There's no one I've ever met who's only ever been happy and nothing else. Um, and, you know, striving for a life that is just full of happiness is unrealistic and probably not very rewarding. But accepting that there's going to be shit times um, and that, you're going to experience, uh, you know, that that real full spectrum of emotion, and acknowledging that, and not labelling emotions as good or bad, is something that I think we can start to, you know, we can start to think about if if you're just starting to work on this whole idea of becoming more mentally fit, 
And the third area is um, a really a really powerful one and, and one that I personally haven't been great at, and that's that's learning to be vulnerable and learning to put our hand up when we do need help. Mm. And that's something that we can all probably do a lot a lot more of. We you know will often in a workshop ask people, you know if you had someone you loved who was going through a rough time, you know, hands up if you would help them, if you would drop everything and help them mm. and every single person in the room puts their hand up. Yeah. But then if that person who needed help was you, how good would you be at um, sometimes putting your pride aside, but actually it's about embracing being brave and courageous and saying, you know what, I'm not doing great right now. Um, have, you got a, have you got an ear that I can, you know, that I can have a bit of a chat to? And that's kind of the core of, of where Gotcha for Life started. You, you talked about um, Gus, and for people who don't know, Gus Walland uh, started this. He's a TV and, and radio personality, and he started this after the tragic death of a, of a close friend. So he created this um, charity, Gotcha for Life, with that sort of real message, isn't it? You know, I've got you, I'll support you, but we've got to have these people reach out. What I guess around men especially, yes. what, what do you think are the biggest obstacles um, to them asking for help? I think, um, you know, I think sometimes some of the challenges come down to, um, you know, that idea of who I am as a person. And I am, um, you know, I'm someone who's strong. And, you know, whether it's that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad or, you know, I'm someone in my friendship group who is tough and that's the way that I've, um, you know, that I believe society wants me to be as a man. And a strong man, um, you know, doesn't cry. A strong man um, figures just figures things out, just kind of takes it on the chin um, and soldiers on. And when you do that too many times and when you you know when you continue to ignore those feelings that you have inside your body um, that can actually feel like pain when you ignore that um, you can then start to spiral into places that are much much worse than had you kind of dug in um, and decided to be really courageous and said that I need a bit of help so it's Sometimes it's the belief that showing a weakness, you know, seeing it as a weakness, seeing it that you haven't lived up to your expectations of yourself or of what you think society expects of you, um, and then seeing um, reaching out as a weakness when actually it's probably the strongest and the bravest thing you could possibly do. And and I think, um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys that, that – um, you know, in, in my friendship group, that age group, um, really didn't have the education that we're able to give our younger, you know, our younger um, children coming through where we can start to talk about the importance of, sh you know, sharing your emotion and showing your emotion and, and not letting these feelings bottle up until, you know, until they do become paralyzing or until they do really negatively impact the way you're able to function every day. And I think what's important about some of your programs, which we'll talk about in a minute, where you go into schools and you go into communities and you talk to people about this, is it allows people to understand that they're not alone. Because I, I reckon in a blokey culture, yeah. blokes think, 
what's the matter with me? Like, I'm a bit of a weirdo. Why do I feel this way? No one else seems to be having these problems when, of course, so many other people are. So there must be a great um, sense of relief in understanding that you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely, Kate. And and that is, that's a big thing. It's, you know, thinking that you are the only one that's thinking this way, that's feeling this way, because on the surface, you know, you're seeing people on Instagram and they're having these beautiful family holidays. You know, we're posting our highlights reel um, on social media. And that's the way you think that people are living their lives. And once you open up, and I've seen this um Gus is quite magical in the way that he does this with other blokes in in him sharing his vulnerability and all of a sudden so many other people in the room feel brave enough to share theirs because it's that sense of I am not alone, I'm not the only one going through this and and I think that's huge relief and that brings real connection as well and it must take such a huge load off those Mm. people um, who've just been carrying around this stress and pain in their bodies. So what if, what's your advice? What are the signs that people should look for that someone they love, man or woman, is, is struggling? I, I think withdrawal, withdrawal is, a, is a big one. I think our, um, you know, we know that people tend to, to pull back from relationships when they are, you know, they've kind of, they're going within and they're, um, you know, they're going through something that they're really struggling with. I think noticing if, you know, if someone's always at netball or always at footy and all of a sudden you start to see there's some excuses, oh, it's this, it's that, um, that's a really, that's a often a really big indicator that, you know, call them up and say, hey, you know what, let's just go for a, let's just go for a walk. You don't even need to ask them um, to talk. One thing I find is that if you just say, let's just catch up and go for a walk, being outside, um, being able to walk somewhere together, um, not look each other in the eye, I find a lot of, um, particularly a lot of um, guys, mm. find that much less confronting than sitting, you know, eyeballing each other when you're walking, um, breathing in fresh air, talking about you know other things, um, then it's it's often then an opportunity to open up that conversation. But sometimes just inviting them for a walk is less less confronting for them than you know what I think we need to have a chat. It sounds like a good um, you know program you could get tradies into because they're often driving around you know next to each other in the car but not having to sort of sit face to face. It's a good opportunity to open up a bit of a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I've got I've got three sons, and if I ever want to, you know, talk about a tricky topic with them, it's often in the car. One because you know they've got their seatbelts on and they can't run off, um, but often it's easier for them to open up when they're not looking at someone who they care about so mm. much right in, um, you know, right in their eyes. Mm. Do you think? Back to just men in particular, do you think the pressures on them are different? I mean, we talk a lot about women and overwhelm and the mental load. I mean, I imagine as a, as a woman and a mother of three sons, you know all of that. But what are the biggest stresses that you hear about that men are facing today? Um, I think, I mean, in this particular environment, um, you know, when 
when a man believes that the financial stability of his family is mm. his sole responsibility, mm. I think when we're, you know, when we're looking at the economic climate currently, um, you know, that is coming up as one of the, um, you know, one of the most um, significant causes of stress for adults overall. But I think when, you know, if you've been raised to think that that's your job is to financially be the main provider for your family, um, then that can be, you know, that can be carrying a significant load. I think a lot of it comes back to um, someone's sense of identity and who they believe that they are and who they believe, um, you know, what they believe their strengths are and what they believe they should do, what they believe a man should be doing in today's. And that that's different for everyone. Um, and that is and that's a set of beliefs that has been formed over you know, over many years. So I think someone's belief about what being a, a good man, what being, um, you know, whether it's a good dad, a good mate, a good son, we judge ourselves to these standards and sometimes we don't we don't challenge, well, where did I actually, where did I get that? Where did I get that a man should be this, that and the other? And realising that actually, you know, being a, a good man can be whatever it is that really resonates with you. So I think redefining that, you know, when we um, when we do work with young people, that's a lot of the things that we talk about, um, particularly in in the Tomorrow Man workshops um, that Tomorrow Man partner with us on is giving young men the opportunity to say, you know what, who cares what society says a man should be? What do I want to be? Who is the human I want to be? And what are those qualities that that I really want to focus on um, investing in and developing in myself? It's amazing that beliefs can have such a strong uh, power over us when really they are just all made up. So you're quite right. Like, go ahead, make some new ones. And I think sometimes the things that we think society thinks are actually just when we come back to the things that we think society thinks. Yes, so yeah, that's all right, exactly well, tell, us, right. tell us a little bit about yourself because before you came to Gotcha for Life, uh, you ran She Thrives and that was about what, supporting women getting back into the workforce? Has that been your, your sort of passion? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the, the vast majority of my career has been in the corporate world, but I've always had this desire to help other people. Mm. And when I was in my, I guess, my early career I got to a point where I loved leading and supporting others more than I loved doing, you know, doing the doing <laughs> of the role. And that's when I discovered coaching and the power of, I guess, coaching frameworks and coaching tools and the whole field of positive psychology. And mm. I just absolutely fell in love with that. I grew up with a lot of mental illness around me in extended family and it was something that no one ever really spoke about and then when I discovered this you know the whole I guess you know the whole body of work of positive psychology I thought wow why weren't we taught this at school why weren't we taught these strategies to be able to you know build our minds and help shape our thoughts and and challenge you know just what we were doing automatically with our with our thinking that then of course impacts our behavior and you know, it keeps going. So when I discovered that, I don't think I was, I ever saw my role in corporate the same way again. I then, you know, I, I had 
I had my boys. Um, I was I did a lot of work coaching people one on one, and I just I loved that. I loved helping people who felt stuck to get their thoughts unstuck and then to move forward. And then I went back to uni and did a um, a master's in coaching psychology. Mm. And as part of that, my master's thesis was on the identity change that happens when a, a working woman becomes a mother for the first time and then tries to reintroduce herself back into the workforce. And at that time, I'd only recently you know, returned from having the boys and I was, you know, all of my friends were at that that moment in time when you're going, how the hell am I going to do all this? You know, I've had 20 years or so and it's just been all about me and all about my career and there was nothing else that was getting in the way of that. And now I've got these little people that I just adore and they're my life and I feel quite lost. Like who who actually am I and and mm. does this mean that I can't still pursue things that really light me up because mm. I'm having to make compromises constantly? So I, I jumped in and did a lot of deep research with women who were going through that stage, so women who were pregnant and contemplating what life would look like after they became a mother and the incredible levels of anxiety they were feeling about that, not knowing what to expect. You know, talking to women who didn't even feel they could tell their employer that they were pregnant because they feared what that would mean for them. And I talked about I talked to a number of women who had just returned and, you know, women who were teachers, women who were, you know, working casually, lawyers, you know, there was one particular woman who she was working four days and then she would have Friday at home with her little one. And every Monday when she returned to work, one of the guys in the office would say to her, How's your holiday? And, <laughs> That's and just so the, awful. Yeah. And, and just all of those challenges. So a good friend of mine, Amy Quinnell, and I put our heads together and and with She Thrives, what I wanted to try and replicate was the work that I'd been doing one-on-one -on -one with people for so many years was how can we build this into a, a, an online digital program so that women can access all of the insights and the mm. tools that they need and the support that they need, but without having to incur the fees of having a you know, an executive coach to do that. Mm -hmm. So She Thrives was a basically an online platform where women could navigate through the steps. And we built the program around three pillars. One was the whole psychological experience of really supporting women around confidence and dealing with the anxieties um, that would come. There's a huge module on guilt because that was something mm -hmm. that comes up That's a, a big lot. One. It was a huge one. But it's amazing when you just do the work around it and you realise that, there's actually nothing to feel guilty about here. And then you're able to, you know, when you can have that, do that work, unpack it, and then make a new meaning for what you're doing. And again, it comes down to those beliefs. Mm. You can then move on and then you don't feel guilt anymore. We then, there was a whole section of the program around the practical side of things. And that was really, a lot of the time it was enabling women to, achieve a, a true 50-50 share of the mental and physical mm. load of parenting. Mm. Yes, that was a fun, that was a fun one. <laughs> so having done all this research and having set up She Thrives with all of those great resources, what parts of that have you taken into your own life that you use every day or every week? Yeah, I, I think the, the conversation about 
being 50-50 parents mm. has was life-changing for us. That was, you know, we had literally, I went through an entire list of everything that needs to be done in our family just to manage the household. Mm. And then I, you know, I marked against that what I was doing, what my partner was doing. And when you see it like that, you're like, far out. Okay, this stuck. is not cool. This mm. needs to change. And, um, you know, we sat down together and he just went, oh, my goodness, I, I just, you know, wasn't even aware of this. And we, you know, we shared and we talked about how we wanted to do it differently. And, and I shared with him that one of the things I hated doing most was the laundry. You know, don't mind, I don't mind a bit of ironing, don't mind cleaning, but hate folding the washing. And that conversation was about probably 13 years ago and, and Mark's done all of the washing and all of the folding and putting away ever since then. Does he love it? Is he good at it? He's he's not good at it. <laughs> um, and part of it means that, you know, the washing's often rolled rather than folded. But, but you know you, what? You've got to take done. what you can get. It gets done. And, and um, you don't and have to do it. Totally fine. And I don't have to do it. So mm. so that, I think that was really, that was really game changing. You know, you talked about before how just knowing that you're not the only one going through this, you know, mm. and, and for, for men who are experiencing challenges, I think that was one thing for me that I learned working with so many women and just hearing the same challenges again and again and again, just going, oh, my gosh, we are all struggling with these things. You know, let's let's talk about it. Let's mm. let's share it so that we can. And I think I think young mums are better at doing that now than I was when when my kids were super little Um, but just knowing that you know everyone's house is a complete pigsty by Thursday there's no food in the pantry by Friday and we just all you know we're just all doing our best yeah I think that's an important thing and I mean I talk about this again and again on Instagram about Instagram and it's it's unrealistic you know, expressions of the way people live, people with, you know, perfect fridges and, Mm -hmm. you know, perfect pantries. And it's like, you don't have to live that way. I think understanding that's really important. So tell me, what about your own um, physical, mental health? Uh, Do you have any non-negotiables, things that you do every week, always? I love meditating, you know, and I know it doesn't work for a lot of people, but for me, having working in a space that I am so personally passionate about and I, I love what I do, I'm thinking about it all the time. And then I'm thinking about what the boys are doing and where they need to be dropped off and, you know, whether or not this is this needs to happen and who's got a birthday party and that kind of thing. So I feel like being able to have 10 minutes a day to just completely clear my mind and I do it before I go to bed and I love it and it means that I have a super good sleep because Mm. it just allows me to leave all of that noise aside so that I can sleep properly. That's a non-negotiable for me and I think exercise is a non-negotiable, you know, moving your body every single day and it doesn't need to be, you know, a full-on run but even if it's just a walk, it's getting up and moving your body uh, I think the you know the link between physical fitness and your your mental state of mind is um, yeah it, it's so deep. So what do you get up to for fun, Belinda? Oh, well, I think having three boys means that it's always very fun in what our house. Of, what sort of age are they? So uh, fourteen, twelve, and nine. Mm, nice. 
Well, you not might be, say well, that. <laughs> well, well, I feel like they're not in nappies, but they're oh, also yeah. not being really terrible teenagers yet. Maybe yes, they never yes. will be. Yes, yes. Well, um, yeah, I, I love watching them play sport. Love watching them play sport. And I love catching up with my girlfriends. I just feel like that is so cathartic. Like we just, you know, that kind of laughing till your belly hurts type of thing. I used to play netball until I busted my calf for the last oh, time. But no. that was that was a, <laughs> you know, a real source of joy for me. I loved the team. I loved coming together mm. and, and doing that. So I do really, I do miss that. But that was, that was really fun for me. And I just think... I just really believe that we are so fortunate to be able to live this life and, and, and do what we do. You know, for me, it's finding fun and joy in, in everything we do. So like work for me is joyful and it is fun. And we, we have a lot of fun at Gotcha for Life, particularly because we're working in a space that can feel pretty heavy sometimes. Mm. Um, but I think you, I think you just have to laugh as much as you can. Oh, it sounds like a great place to work. Tell me, what are you what are you reading? What sort of books do you read? Do you read fiction, oh, nonfiction? I've I've got like books all over my house. I love reading psychology books. It's, I know it's really boring, but I feel like I've got every parenting book, every psychology book that was ever written, and every cookbook, and <laughs> like oh, piled good. up. Yeah. So yeah, I. I haven't read a fiction book for so long and I would I look forward to the time when I'm ready to do that but right now you know I I, I just love reading you know so many different perspectives and when it comes to human development and mental fitness you know mm -hmm. all of that is inspiring the programs that we do and wanting to do the you know always bringing in new thinking into the way that we develop our programs here as well. So mm. I do still find all of that super interesting. I do too. I get a bit nerdy about that sort of stuff. <laughs> okay, well, what about, what about TV shows? Any TV shows you're watching? Oh, this is where I get really boring because I don't watch any TV. It's just it's embarrassing. Someone could come into my house and remove the TV from the wall and I would not even notice. But I, I think about three notice? months. They would. would. <laughs> there would be there would be mutiny. I wouldn't notice at all. I just never. I never watch TV. Yeah, well, that's all right. It's probably a so waste boring. of time anyway. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, let me ask you a final question. If there were three things that were in your recipe for happiness, what would they be? Gratitude. Absolutely. I think gratitude can help us to reframe anything we are experiencing. Love. And I'll say family, but if family, if friends are family, then it's, you know, it's that sense of family. It's that sense of we're in this together. Um, we're a team. We will be there for each other no matter what. That's really beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. No one's ever asked me that. Thank you so much, Belinda. I know you're very busy, so I won't keep you any longer, but I really appreciate your time. And we'll put some show notes for people so they know how to find out more about Gotcha for Life and the different programs um, that they have. Um, you do wonderful work. So 
on behalf of all the you know the people who are struggling i just say thank you you and gus do a, do a great job really getting that message out there so thank you thank you thank you so much kate